It Was Almost Real, the Pro Wrestling History Podcast, Episode 42. And as you might be able to tell by my voice, I am a little under the weather this week, but me and my uh, co-host this uh, week, Dangerous Dan Zimmerman, we're back. Uh, Sans Caleb and Trey, uh, I hope that you all enjoyed those episodes. You probably enjoyed them a lot more than me. And we'll get the boys back here in the future. Uh, Caleb will continue to be a regular contributor. We'll probably have him on the next podcast with us. But we wanted to get uh, a podcast out for the second week in January. We're recording this on New Year's Eve morning, and I've been sick since Christmas Eve. So my oldest grandson was kind enough to share the stomach flu with me, which is about the only thing I'm really that susceptible to. Most of the time, I will take care of the kids because I don't get sick. But stomach flu is the one thing that I am susceptible to. Mm -hmm. And then, because my immune system was down, I also picked up a cold from my youngest grandson. So thank you, boys, for sharing the love with Papa. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I, w I wouldn't do anything different. Those boys are my pride and joy. But... I'm a little under the weather, so I'll do my best. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm talking out of a barrel uh, this week. And I've got a few updates, but I don't know if you saw this or not, Dan. I jumped mm -hmm. on Twitter this morning. Mm -hmm. And yes, I know it's X, and no, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I can't be responsible for the thoughts that come into crazy entrepreneurs' mind. Right. X is a horrible name. It makes it sound like we're all going to porn sites. Exactly. It's so I'm going to continue to call it Twitter, but yes, we know it is actually X. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you actually used the site. I've never been on it. Yeah, I tell you, it is great because one, uh, wrestling fans have tended to use that. Mm -hmm. But the thing I love about it is I've actually been <clears throat> in contact with some uh, long time, old time history fans. Mm -hmm. So the first guys that. <clears throat> I made contact with uh, one is a wrestling an amateur wrestling coach, mm -hmm. and they have a wrestling history club. Oh, nice! And they've read some of the books, and those those were the first guys I uh, reached on there. Uh -huh. And then there's a couple of gentlemen I regularly correspond with on there now, just you know, back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, what do they call it now? Posting uh -huh. tweets, right? Um, that are really into old time uh, wrestling. Oh, okay. So it's it's, that's what I like about it. Yeah. I stay away from the politics stuff. You know, all you do is irritate people. And in this day and age, it doesn't seem like anybody changes anybody else's mind. Right. So why get into a big argument about it? Exactly. It's just going to raise your blood pressure and nothing else. Yeah. So I did look at it this morning, though, to see if anything wrestling was trending. Mm -hmm. And the devil in AEW was revealed last night. Did As you Dolph Ziggler. No. Oh. Adam Cole. Oh, it was Adam Cole. Okay. Well, why did I, I saw something that came up that said the devil revealed as Dolph Ziggler? Well, the, the guys I said it was Adam Cole, and he dropped the mask on MJF after they beat the snot out of him. Oh, okay. And then um, Roderick Strong, Wardlow, Claudio Castagnoli, mm -hmm. and I guess his tag team partner were the devil's henchmen or whatever. Yeah, huh? Which to me makes a lot of sense. Ziggler would have made some sense too. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, what I saw was Adam Cole was, and I have to admit, I didn't watch the show that it was on. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so the devil uh, could have been Jim Cornette, for all I know. But <laughs> yeah. According to the Twitter I 
saw the day. Yeah. Um, and I saw numerous posts on it. Yeah. They said it was Adam Cole. Okay. Well, like I said... Which you, you would have figured one of them was going to turn on the other one. Yeah. I, I usually... Uh, use google for my news sources and i guess they've been kind of lacking lately in verifying stuff or they're just making it up well i've found like i don't <clears> watch <throat> the news anymore i don't mm-hmm. really because it's so extreme i will look at the little microsoft ticker for breaking news and stuff yeah today, but you, and once you've watched looked at them for a while you could tell. So if I see a wrestling story from Sports Skeeta. Oh, I you skip. know it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. I just skip it because yeah. it's clickbait and there's mm-hmm. nothing about that headline that's going to be reflected in the story. Exactly. But if I see something from Sports Illustrated or a Wrestling Observer, I yeah. still consider Wrestling Observer a legitimate news site. I know Dave Meltzer is kind of a AEW fan and that does color the reporting a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I also still think he's a legitimate. Uh, journalist oh yeah absolutely the stuff that they put out there at least is uh true mm-hmm. you know um whether you agree with the viewpoint or not right yeah absolutely. he does have some journalistic integrity yeah he does although his whole thing about it's the fans responsibility to make sure that they could catch the end of the AEW show no it's no, not it's not no you know i had a, <coughs> I had a funny anecdote about that one time you know they uh Back when uh, Jerry Lawler had his feud with uh, Andy Kaufman, uh, Andy Kaufman, I think, took a couple of pile drivers from Lawler in the ring, and it was getting right at the end of where the TV was going to run out. And Lawler was back there telling him, get that SOB out of the ring. It's going to cost us money if we go over. And uh, apparently Kaufman got back to him and said, I'll pay for it. I'm staying here. Yeah. <laughs> And he paid for the ambulance, too, that yeah. took him out of the arena. Uh-huh. <laughs> because they're like, that's going to cost money. He's like, I'll pay for it. Yeah. Get us an ambulance. Because <laughs> he knew it would increase oh, the interest in that. Oh, yeah. Feud. Absolutely. That was that was wonderful. That was that was a genius move is what that was. Yeah. I tell you, I wish I would have been old enough to remember or was able to see that whole feud go down. I, obviously, I did not watch the late show in the early mm-hmm. 80s. So I've seen the slap since. Yeah. But I didn't see it then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's one of those things that back then, I, that's what I've tried to explain to Caleb. I said, I can't recreate for you mm-hmm. the way it was to be a wrestling fan in the 80s. Because if you missed a television show, you missed it. There right. Was, yeah, you know, absolutely. VCRs, we started getting those in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. And then you could If you could program stuff. them. Yeah. Then you could record stuff. Yeah. But before that, you were just out of luck. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was watching Wrestling at the Chase on Sunday morning, when the commercial come on, I would streak to the bathroom, go <laughs> and streak back, because if you got back late, whatever happened, you missed. missed. Yeah, there was no rewind on that. Yeah. So, as I said, we didn't see what was going on in other places. You would read about it, mm-hmm. and like the aftermags and stuff like that, but you didn't know what was going on in other places. Unless you were in southeast Missouri. Yeah, you could see what was going on in Georgia. Yeah, isn't this? <laughs> we couldn't get that in St. Louis. We didn't get cable in St. Louis till 1986. Yeah, huh? My freshman year of high school. <coughs> I had a VCR before we got cable in mm-hmm. St. Louis. Yeah, so but in yeah. southeast Missouri... They had yeah. it in 1979. Yeah! Ain't that something? You go down to Grandma's house, and luckily she put up with us watching Georgia yeah. Wrestling. <laughs> yeah. 
Because yes. I tell you what, if I hadn't seen, if I hadn't been exposed to the Georgia wrestling scene, I would have never known the likes of Dusty Rhodes, right. Ric Flair, Harley Race, yeah. all these guys that were. If that, Mr. Wrestling 2 ever came to St. Louis, I'd never heard of it. Oh, yeah. I knew mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase. He yeah. come to St. Louis. Tommy Rich never had. No, huh? He didn't come to St. Louis until the 80s. Yeah. When it, he was towards the end of his career. And he got his rear end handed to him by Terry Funk. That. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a, a whole different scene back then. Yeah. So, I might as well give the update now. Mm-hmm. Um, I am right now finishing December of 1914. So, I think, and I generally try to do 500 words a day in January. So, I'm thinking that I will have the book completed by the end of January. Okay. The project I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm going to take it up to the time Lewis went into the uh, New York International Wrestling Tournament. Mm-hmm. And that's December 1915. Oh, okay. And I've got the true story of how he got hooked up with Billy Sandow. And mm-hmm. I will make sure that okay. I, I contradict the official story, which is not true. Uh-huh. <coughs> and line that out and where it came from. And as I've said in the past, when you hear all these fantastic stories that aren't true. And you're like, where do these things come from? A lot of the times they come from the wrestler and the manager themselves. Right. When they were working people, you know, they will just play fast and loose with the truth. Mm-hmm. They're not the only ones. So you hear all these origin stories behind these martial arts style, and mm-hmm. it's stacked pretty high on that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I did want to uh, take a few seconds. So uh, Shannon, who has been a longtime uh, listener of ours, and he'll write every once in a while. He's an MMA fan. Yes, sir. And he was talking about um, doing something on the history of MMA. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, MMA has been around since the 90s. But, I mean, they had challenge matches and stuff in both the United States, England, and Brazil. Yeah. Uh, Brazil going back to about the 1920s, 30s. And uh, England and the U.S. going back to the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, Taro Miyake, who was a jiu-jitsu, judo, black belt. Did lots of challenge matches in both the U.S. and uh, Europe where they would take on boxers and wrestlers and that. Mm -hmm. So for the next podcast, which will be out the fourth week in January, let me do the quick, it'll be January 22nd. We're going to talk about one of the mixed style bouts in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it's one that actually occurred here in St. Louis. And it was between the professional wrestler Ray Steele and the professional boxer battling Levinsky. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that on the next podcast. And I will occasionally uh, sprinkle that in over okay. the next year. We'll occasionally talk about some of the mixed style by it. Mm-hmm. Mixed style bouts. That was easy for me to say. To nah. But nah. I wanted to thank Shannon for his email and for the suggestion. I like both of them. Nah. And um, one of these days I have to find out from him what he thinks about the current state of MMA because... As I told you before, I'm not all that uh, enthused about some of the people we got to be champions. I've got to show you the clip. There was a fight uh, two weeks ago, a Mm pay-per-view. And the middleweight champion and his next contender are sitting ringside. I mean, they're probably two or three rows back. Yeah. And I guess that the champion took some offense at something the challenger said earlier and kind of makes a motion like he's shooting the guy uh-huh. you know behind him and that yeah 
And then the guy starts running his mouth at uh, Strickland, who's a middleweight champion. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I've never been a big fan of Sean Strickland because I think he comes across as sort of a meathead jock. Uh-huh. But I give him kudos for this. The the challenger, Drake is Duplessis, is like, yeah, come on, come on. Uh-huh. Like Singlin. And he looks at this lady and her kid who are sitting, because he's in a row, he's either a row or two in front of this guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he asked her, would you and your child please move? And so she's like, okay. <laughs> she grabs her kid and is like, so he got him to move before he jumps over the chair and starts whopping the guy in the head. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm like, okay, that was classy. At least he didn't run right over the lady and her kid to punch this guy. Right. <laughs> but it's like, why are you punching a guy in the head that you're going to get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars uh-huh. to fight? You know, you're going to get paid to fight this guy. Right. What are you getting by fighting with him in the crowd? And if you get hurt or... The athletic commissions have been known to suspend fighters for that for six months to a year. You get yourself suspended. Now you've put off the fight and you've put off your payday. Well, what are you doing that for? Could it have been a, a work to get and draw interest in the match? I don't think so. Because I, I, you know, I, I like, would, because I would like to you, to, MMA is kind of going. Yeah, I would. I would like to say it was a work and that these guys were playing it. No, I don't. Think no, you it don't was. think so? Okay. No. Because they kicked the guys out of the arena, and the middleweight champ's like, eh, like he did something. It's yeah. like, yeah, you just got kicked out, and you embarrass yourself, and you might get yourself suspended. Right. But Strickland doesn't offend me nearly as much as the guy who lost on the card that night. Mm-hmm. If he'd have won, I'd have never watched the fight. And his name is Colby Covington. Okay. And this guy has made a habit. He's a fake bad guy. Uh-huh. In my opinion, he tries to play the bad guy, yeah, but he's not very good at it, and he just comes off as kind of an idiot. Ah, uh-huh. but he's made racist statements in the past. Oh gosh, to try to just generate heat. Yeah, he wants people to hate him, which he does a great job. But he does he to me has go away heat. I would never ever buy a pay per view that he is on mm-hmm. because he would financially benefit from it. Uh, if yeah, he gets his butt kicked. I will watch that fight in replay where I'm not paying for it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I would never pay for a fight that he was in because he will financially benefit from that. Yeah. That's how much I despise this guy. So now, in this build-up to this most recent fight, mm-hmm. Leon Edwards is the champion. He's from England. His father was murdered when he was 13 years old. Oh, gosh. And you know what Colby Covington said to him in the press conference, which the champ threw a water bottle at him for? Well, he, probably he said, said your dad's in hell right now. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, so, you know, that's the kind of person, <clears throat> guys. And my problem with the UFC is they have put this guy in big money fights. Yeah. <coughs> repeatedly because they think that his nonsense is going to get people to pay to see him get beat up. I mm-hmm. would never pay to see him get beat up. I'll right. watch it for free. Right. But I'm never going to pay to see him get beat up. Right. Because I would not want to see him benefit financially for being an idiot. Yeah. He was on this, he made a video a couple of years ago where he's with these two gals. And he's talking about, yeah, after I get done working out here, I'm going to work out with the girls, blah, blah, blah. Well, there was somebody there and interviewed the girls. They said, we're models from uh, the agency. He uh, yeah. rented us today to be in this video and everything. We don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> so, fake bad guy. Yeah. But, he is a, a horrible uh, individual. Horrible human being. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is 
I'm starting to fall out of love with a lot of the athletes. Mm -hmm. There's some that I still like, but you know, it's well, like I say, and UFC is getting absolutely as cutthroat as WWE about getting rid of people. Oh, are they? So Dana White has this contender series every year, uh huh, and he'll sign a bunch of lower priced younger talent. Yeah, and then cut a bunch of veterans. Uh, now, if you lose fights, you're in danger being cut anyway. Uh-huh. But they'll cut people that they weren't had any intention to cut just because it'll help the bottom line. I gotcha. So, of course, you know what TKO did when they bought WWE, first thing they did? Mm-hmm. Laid a bunch of people off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which they said they weren't going to do. Yeah, but they <laughs> did anyway, so. Um, you know what? I thought I had another update besides that, but I went down to... Like I said, you know, I really stopped oh, watching... Well, I'm trying to remember what the heck I said. Uh-huh. We did want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Red Hawk Mercantile. They have actually provided us with our million-dollar studio. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give Red Hawk Mercantile a chance to... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, guys, um, you know, if you ever looking for a, a gift or something for yourself, uh, take a look at Red Hawk Mercantile on uh, eBay or just... Uh, Type it in, it'll probably uh, pop it up there. Uh, got a store with everything from belt buckles to jigsaw puzzles. Uh, and if we don't have it, shoot me an email. I'm also a procurer of items. Uh, I've procured Tiffany lamps to troll dolls. So if you need something that you need, give me a holler. Also, uh, Red Hawk Mercantile is also in conjunction with Z Lightful Memories at uh, Old Time Finds uh, Antique Mall in High Ridge, Missouri. Booth 214, we're in the back under the big sign. Come see us there, too. So, every week I do show notes for the episodes, and you can always find them at www.kenzermanjr.com slash episode and whatever the number is. So this will be episode 42. I need to get the link for your store. Okay, So I can put that in the show notes from now on. Absolutely. So then people could just go to the show notes and and link to that. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we'll have to start reminding people that we are sponsored by Red Hawk Mercantile, who have provided us this million-dollar studio that we broadcast from. Hey, I did, and, and the million-dollar studio crew brought by, brought by gift cards for Christmas. I thought that was pretty yeah, pretty was. darn excellent. It was. Know? That was really nice, though. That's, yeah. Uh, and, uh, got me a nice book on Ivor the Boneless, too. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, talking about, uh, you know, the UFC and the MMA, I haven't really watched since uh the days of chuck liddell and dan severinson and um what was his name silva um anderson or An- anderson silva the spider yeah the spider and after that i mean i kind of really fell it, it it got too i don't know i just it didn't interest me anymore you know one of the that. things that i think is hurting it too mm. it's great that it gives the fighters a lot more fighters a chance to earn a full-time living. Uh-huh. But the proliferation of cards. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a card almost every weekend. Yeah, and used to be. And was... so many big fights fall out. Mm-hmm. But that, being on ESPN and being on every week, uh-huh. is a big money generator for them. Oh, I'm sure it is. So they're continuing to do that, but I think it does water down the product just a hair. Uh-huh. So I'm going to get me another cough drop here. So Go right ahead. Before oh. we jump into the main topic of today's show. And if anybody wants to draw heat, all they need to do is ask Jonathan Bradshaw 
about his trip to Berlin. Who on earth is Jonathan Bradshaw? Bradshaw. Layfield Bradshaw. Oh, John Bradshaw Layfield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where he freaking did the Nazi salute. Yeah, that was gonna... and that's pretty much illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Which he found out. Yeah. <laughs> he did some swift talking and so did WWF. Mm-hmm. First they were going to arrest him. Yeah, they then were. Then they realized he didn't really know what he was doing in it. Mm-hmm. But they were still going to boot him out of the country because they take that very, very seriously. seriously. So. And he... I think he got on his knees and begged him and promised he would never do anything like that. But he was just trying to generate heat. Yeah, he was. And I think he did it. (laughs) With everybody. The cops and everybody. (laughs) So, yeah, that's one of those things where if you're going somewhere, learn the rules and learn the laws before you go. Because if you do something foolish, it's not like the U.S. Mm -hmm. You can't even say the the N-word over here is like the N-word Nazi over there. You don't say it. Yep. Yep. I mean, they have some very strict laws about mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. If, if, if you're, you're going to travel to a foreign country, do a little bit of research before you go. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's like that kid that, what was he vandalized something in Singapore. Oh, yeah. And got he got caned. caned and everybody mm-hmm. was saying, oh, but it's like, look. <laughs> you he, know, if you take drugs in some of the countries around the world, yeah. they will kill you. Singapore is one of them. Yes, it is a death sentence. Yeah. So, know that before you go and do something foolish. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that, that's... So, thank you for throwing that uh, out there so I could get this call. Oh, out. no problem. That's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I got your back, man. <laughs> uh, so, the history portion for this week's episode is actually about gambling schemes. And if you talk about pro wrestling's unsavory reputation... A lot of it is because of these gambling gambling schemes and the gambling schemes being exposed. Mm-hmm. So my very first experience with this is not the one I'm talking about today, but when Martin Farmer Burns was the world, or not the world, the American heavyweight wrestling champion, which mm-hmm. was the first catch-as-catch uh, can wrestling championship in the United States. Uh-huh. He was discovered to have been involved in a gambling scheme up in Minnesota, which killed the wrestling in that area for a while and really hurt professional wrestling's reputation because here you had the American heavyweight champion taking part in this gambling scheme. Mm -hmm. So what had happened, and I've heard of this from several different... I've heard of the same scheme with different players throughout Mm -hmm. the years. So I think this was something that had been done in the wrestling community for ages. Yeah. But in this particular one, one of Burns' frequent opponents, who he would work with quite a bit, was a guy named D.A. McMillan. Mm-hmm. And D.A. McMillan goes to this small town in Minnesota, and he's there for a week. And he's, you know, a braggart and talking about all of this stuff, and... He ends up challenging people to foot races in town and losing the bet. Mm-hmm. You know, he challenged him to an arm wrestling and loses the bet. He challenges him to this and loses the bet. And it's all to set up <coughs> because Martin Farmer Burns is coming through the town. Right. And McMillan says he is going to challenge the uh, champion to a wrestling match and he could beat him in a wrestling match. Well, everybody in the town's like, 
all this idiot because yeah. he's already lost all these races that he was going to be the fastest foot race guy. Mm-hmm. He was going to do this. He was going to do that. And he didn't do any of it, of course. So they think, oh, this guy's a bum. Yeah. So Burns gets in town and McMillan very loudly goes up and challenges him. Now, why the people didn't think, why on earth is the champion of America giving this schlub the time of day? You exactly. Know, yeah. I, I bet you every It'd guy... it be like me uh, going up and telling uh, Roman Reigns, hey, I want to fight you. Yeah, exactly. Why would they give him the time of day? Right. But Burns says, okay, if you think you can beat me big mouth, we'll, we'll wrestle on Thursday. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like a Tuesday he came to town. And he was going through, I think he was going through to Minneapolis. So the whole town comes out, and they're going to bet that Farmer Burns is going to whoop this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy bets that he's going to win the first fall. Mm-hmm. Okay. So everybody in the town bets against him. They're yeah. all betting on Burns. Well, guess who wins the first fall? Uh, D.A. McMillan yeah. under a different name. I forget what name he was using. Uh-huh. But he's under a different name. He's not D.A. McMillan. Yeah. He's under a different name. Yeah. And now the fans, particularly the smarter one, the crowd are going, okay, wait a minute. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the second thing that he says is he's going to win the fastest fall. Mm-hmm. So not as many of the townspeople bet on it this time, yeah. but still a significant portion are like, there's no way he's going to win the fastest fall. Uh-huh. Well, in the third fall, Burns wins that in like three minutes. Mm-hmm. So then everybody's money, they start, even the ones that were like, okay, wait a minute. Now they think, well, maybe this was a fluke, you know, because yeah. McMill- Burns won the next two falls <coughs> in pretty dominant fashion. Yeah. So maybe this was a fluke. So even those skeptical people start putting money down that mm-hmm. uh, Burns was going to... And this is back when money was hard to come by. Yes. And McMillan beats Burns in two minutes for the fourth fall. Mm-hmm. And now the people are mad because oh, they are like, there's no way we, we've been taken. I was going to say, they've been hoodwinked. Yeah. So uh, Burns comes out. Beats him in like five minutes, and they hop to train and get the hell out of town, both of them. <laughs> Let's go. Well, unfortunately for them, this had gained enough notoriety in this small little town mm-hmm. that I can't remember if they were from Minneapolis or if they were from Fargo. Mm-hmm. <coughs> One of the larger towns up there, whether it was Fargo, North Dakota, whether it was Minneapolis or St. Paul, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. One of the newspapers, you know what? It was the St. Paul, it was St. Paul. Okay. St. Paul Daily Globe. One of the reporters from the St. Paul Daily Globe made the trip down to this small town. Oh, uh, okay. And not only does he know that, okay, they're working a gambling scheme, which he writes up. Mm-hmm. He knows that the guy that's wrestling as Joe uh, Schlub is D.A. McMillan. Ah. Uh-huh. And he exposes in the St. Paul Daily Globe that the American heavyweight champion has just run a gambling scheme on these poor people in this, and his accomplice in this was D.A. McMillan. Ah. Uh-huh. <coughs> Kills wrestling in Minnesota for a year or two. I bet it did. <laughs> and continues pro wrestling's unsavory reputation. Mm-hmm. So, flash forward, I'm doing research on this book on Stragler Lewis, and he's 
kind of uh, expanded outside of Kentucky now. Mm-hmm. And he's wrestling in Birmingham, Alabama, and he's wrestling in Georgia. And he is going to wrestle a bunch of named guys in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And one of the people he was originally going to wrestle was William Demetrio. Mm-hmm. But the promoters in uh, February of 1914, March of 1914, all of a sudden refused to book William Demetrio. And the the reason they refused to book him Mm -hmm. is because in October of 1913, Dimitro, uh, who is based out of Chicago, Mm -hmm. is talking with this Chicago photographer and tells him he's getting ready to go wrestle a match in Toledo, Ohio, where he's going to put a wrestler over. And if this (coughs) photographer puts a bunch of money up, He's going to make a killing. Uh-huh. So this photographer, William Schmidt, puts up $4,000. And they go to Toledo, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Where Demetrio is supposed to put the guy over. Right. <coughs> Demetrio wrestles the guy for about 20 minutes. The guy collapses face first on the mat. Out colder than a wedge. Referee declares Demetrio the winner. So this photographer has now just lost $4,000. Yeah. The photographer smells a rat. Well, I tell you what, it smells like a big one to me. Yeah. So he tells Demetrio and the Chicago Wrestling Syndicate, which was the promoters at the time, mm-hmm. that he wants his money back or he's going to the authorities. Yeah. Well, they don't believe him and they just kind of basically call his bluff. Well, this guy does go to the authorities. Mm-hmm. And they arrest Demetrio. Uh, for taking part in a fraudulent wrestling match. Yeah. <clears throat> and taking this guy's money by fraud. And Demetrio leaves town for a while. Mm-hmm. And eventually, the suit is dropped, the thing is dropped. But the Birmingham promoters don't want the wrestling fans to think they're booking fake matches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they will not book Demetrio. Ah. And again, this is the kind of stuff that hurt wrestlers and hurt wrestling back then is when this kind of stuff was exposed. Mm-hmm. But eventually Schmidt decides to drop the charges because I'm sure a lawyer made it known to him that, yes, you are a victim, but you are also a perpetrator. Yeah. And you yourself could be charged with fraud because you took part in this scheme thinking you were taking somebody else for a killing. Right. Because mm-hmm. $4,000 back <coughs> then is a pretty good chunk of change. Yes. So he thought he was going to take somebody for some big money. Uh-huh. So your victim is also a perpetrator. And that's why a lot of the times these schemes didn't get prosecuted, but the bad publicity from them still had a detrimental effect on pro wrestling and pro wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And if you were considered somebody who had fake wrestling matches... It was hard for you to get booked. It I bet was it, yeah. Hard for, um, because people would be like, well, he faked, but how do we know he's not faking this time? Mm-hmm. And those are the kinds of things that if you want to look at what hurt wrestling's reputation up until even the late 30s, besides the double crosses and the exposing of the business that way, mm-hmm. it was these gambling schemes that would be exposed uh, or people would figure out. And yeah. Because the promoters and the wrestlers, a lot of times, made as much money off the gambling schemes or more than they did from the ticket sales. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, and um, one of the, we were just talking about Twitter earlier. 
uh, Sergey, one of the guys on Twitter I talk to every once in a while, mm-hmm. he made a great point about that. Is pro wrestling changed when the promoters realized that the same tactics they were using for their gambling schemes could be used in promoting their business. Yeah. You know, so then they started doing the angles and everything for the purpose of generating ticket sales. Right. Not scamming the patrons in these gambling schemes. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a very good point. So, um, but yeah, that's what I just, I never heard about that one before, and I discovered it while I was researching this book. Yeah. You always learn a bunch of new things. There's always two things that happen whenever I do any research project. Certain things that I thought were true, I find out weren't. Uh-huh. You know, so there's things I've thought that in the past were true. And then I'm like, oh, no. Because when I did Gotch versus Hackenschmidt. Uh-huh. <coughs> that's The Rock's first wife. Oh, Danny Garcia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing the, uh, sorry about that, folks. We've got the NFL on in the background because <laughs> the game's going to come on in about an hour. But um, the... Uh, Oh, I'm going to trade a thought there for a second, buddy. You used uh, Gotch and Hackenschmidt. Yeah, when I was researching Gotch and Hackenschmidt, I had thought that the story about Gotch paying the Mm $5,000 to uh, add Santel to purposely injure Hackenschmidt for the second match Mm -hmm. was true. I had heard Luthez say it on a documentary in the 90s, Yeah, and I hadn't really done any research into the matches or anything at that time. So I believed, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, now I am 100% convinced that was never true. Ah, okay. So it was just a good, fancy story that came about. Uh, Hackenschmidt hurt his knee in training. Nobody mm-hmm. purposely hurt him. And there ain't no way Gotch was paying anybody $500, <laughs> much less $5,000, right. to injure somebody he defeated so easily three years earlier. Right. <laughs> After I read... The details about the first match that he had with Hackenschmidt, I immediately started to doubt that story. Yeah. Because he had such an easy time with Hackenschmidt. Mm-hmm. And the second match, Hackenschmidt was even more debilitated because of the knee injury. He was already feeling the effects of the knee injury during the first match. In fact, he didn't wrestle for a while after that match uh-huh. because his knees were so bad. He was training other wrestlers how he met Ad Santel, uh-huh. whose real name is Adolf Ernst, and trained him and was training a few other people. And that's initially, you know, what he was doing. Uh-huh. But then he started feeling better and started thinking, you know what? I think that I can come back and I can actually wrestle. So he accepted the match with Gotch, but then when he started doing heavy training, uh-huh. that knee injury started coming back real started bad. Started bothering him again. Up. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> so, you know, that's just, uh, but I believe that story. Yeah. So, after I read that, I'm like, I don't know about that. And then when you read all the circumstances around the second match, now, do I think he paid Ad Santel 50 or 100 bucks to tell him what was going on in the camp? Yep. Mm-hmm. And if Ad Santel is willing to let people think that he purposely injured his mentor, do you think he's not going to take 50 or 100 bucks to tell, gotch, hey, his knee's all screwed up? Right. He can't train properly. But uh, Hackenschmidt had had a couple matches with Gotch's protégés, too. So Gotch was well aware that he was debilitated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Gotch got $13,000 for that second match with Hackenschmidt, which is a huge payoff. Oh, they yeah. drew 30,000 fans 
to that match. They mm-hmm. would draw 30,000 fans to a wrestling match again until the 1930s with Londos. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to take almost half of what he made in that. Uh, Gotch was a smart businessman mm-hmm. and also tight with a buck. He wasn't going to take half of what he made mm-hmm. in that match to give to some other guy to hurt a guy he knew he could beat. Right. So, but that's some of the things I learned when I was doing that. But you always learn something. Oh, something I thought is not correct. Mm-hmm. And you always learn new things that you didn't know in the past. Right, yeah. So uh, I had never heard about that gambling scheme before, but I was not surprised in the least because I, yeah. I've known about the gambling schemes. <clears throat> the story I told you, I have heard in relation to the original Dutch Mantel, not the guy that we like listening to and right, yeah. entertained by, but the original Dutch Mantel, who's a shooter and a hooker, mm-hmm. he trained... Um, Ron Fuller's uh, grandpa, Roy Welch. Oh, uh-huh. And I've heard it in relation to Fred Grubmeyer was these guys would go into a town mm-hmm. and they would, you know, bet people, oh, you know, um, I'll beat you in a foot race. I'll do this. You know, they get beat. Yeah. And then they'd say, well, you know, the one thing I do better than anything on this earth is I wrestle. Yeah. So they get the local champion. Hey, mm. we got a guy down here. You, you're going to take him for big money. And he had a lot of money with him that yeah. he bet on himself. Mm-hmm. So he would bet everything he had that he was going to beat this guy. Mm-hmm. The town would, and then he would hook him and break something. Yeah. And then take all the money and leave. <laughs> and I had heard Dutch Mantel had done that. Mm-hmm. I had heard Fred Grubmeyer had done that. So I think this was a fairly common practice. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about, that. yeah. But so, why don't we hop into our review? I think I beat that one to death this week. Oh, okay. <laughs> Any more questions about gambling schemes? Uh no. But you know, uh, you're you're talking about stuff that's not true. I mean, so everything that Hulk Hogan's ever said is not true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a wide limb. And say that almost everything that Hulk Hogan has ever said is not true. And you know the saddest thing about all of that is? What's that? He accomplished so much, he really doesn't need to embellish that yeah, much. I know. I know. But, you know, he cured cancer. He talked these people out of doing this. Oh, he was the original bass player for Metallica. Yeah. yeah. You know, the stuff he's done <laughs> is enough. You don't have to make up all this right. nonsense. Sorry, no, I couldn't resist right. throwing that out there. <laughs> that's okay. All right, but hey, you, you know what we forgot to do this week? What's that? We have not bashed Tony Khan's management of AEW this week. Well, you know what? Um, no, we haven't. Um, but I'm thinking it after the 20th. Maybe it's because I'm in the Christmas spirit. It could be. But you know what? After the 20th of April, or the 20th of this month, I'm sure we can bash him a lot because he, he's going to mess up our town. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. They're, they are coming to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I got a birthday in this upcoming month. One year closer to the grave. Hip, 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 hooray. <laughs> You're closer to the grave than you are your birth. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <clears throat> and even if I live to be 95 like I planned, I think that's still true mathematically. Yeah, because you're going to be, what, 50? Let's not be throwing okay. numbers around like that. I mean, that. Uh, 40, 40. I mean, <laughs> 41. <laughs> 41. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can see 41 clearly in my rearview mirror. (laughs) 
Uh, but anyway, the review. Hey, I still got all my teeth, and I still don't look that different than I did 20 years ago. Hey, there you go. Knees again. are shot, but everything else works pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, a review. So you found this one. Yes, I did. And um, I have to say it was a very enjoyable match. And that was Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. When have I ever said it? Watching a Hulk Hogan match was very enjoyable. <laughs> you, was watching, you was probably watching more Andre the Giant and yes. Bobby Heenan. So it's... Because I do have very fond memories of Andre from my childhood. Mm-hmm. We always look forward to the Giant coming. Because he'd come to town once or twice a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Always looked forward to that. And the match was Hogan and Andre versus the Heenan family, which at that time, this is AWA we're talking about, not WWF. Mm-hmm. So his family at that time was Nick Bockwinkle, uh, Big Bad Bobby Duncan, one of my favorite wrestlers from the 70s, mm-hmm. Ken Patera, who was a great heel in the 70s. Yes, he was. And then the greatest manager of all time, sorry, Jim, you're number two, but I don't think you'd argue with that. Mm-hmm. And that's... uh. Bobby Heenan. Yep. And for my money, Bobby has always uh, been the best. Followed very, very closely by Jim Cornette. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jim Cornette was a great manager, and I've said it, I'll continue to say it, I think that he and Brian Lass have the best history podcast on wrestling They do. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, she's got, <laughs> I'm going to say, and it's probably followed second up by uh, James Romero and Dutch Mantell. I do enjoy Dutch's podcast. Mm-hmm. He's very entertaining. He is. And as being as uh, a seasoned veteran as he is. Yeah. He, you know, the fact that he can work a computer. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Yeah, not, not a skill that we should all take for granted. Right. Although, you remember how much my dad hated technology? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he never learned how to work the electronic thermostat mm-hmm. he'd always have me do it yeah and i tried to tell him all you got to do is if you want to hold it do this you want to ah. right i don't know why your mother got that i can't figure that thing out <laughs> that's why she got it <laughs> so i'm sitting at work one day uh-huh and i get this email from ernie diaz at gmail.com and i'm like okay somebody hacked dad's yeah <laughs> there is no way ernest charles diaz got on a computer and sent me an email uh-huh <laughs> so i called mom at work I said, hey, Mom, somebody hacked Dad's, uh, or somebody stole Dad's identity. I just got an uh, email from Ernie Diaz at gmail.com. And Mom said, is it a joke? And I said, yeah. She said, oh, no, that's your dad. I'm like, Dad is on a computer? <laughs> and it was one of the grandkids taught him how to use a computer and set up his email and everything. So how bad did it hurt when you fell out of that chair? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I guess it's the whole uh, thing of the grandkids because yeah. mm-hmm. I remember when I come home from TKD one night, uh huh, and Solomon had fallen and hit his mouth and his lip was a little swollen up, mm-hmm. and I said, I know exactly where I'll take that swelling out. I said, go get me one of the fudge pops out of the fr- freezer. Uh huh, and Caleb said, would you have ever let me have a freeze pop at almost ten o'clock at night? No. Now go get me the fudge pop on the freezer. <laughs> and because grandkids are a completely different animal. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, go get me the fudge pop. So he's like, Pfft. he don't need a fudge pop. I said, are you getting up with him in the middle of the night or am I? Uh-huh. Go get me the fudge pop. So I'm sitting there with him and I get, and he texted his sister because a little bit later I get this text from Katie. 
Who are you, and what have you done with our father? <laughs> yeah, because the King Zimmerman of old, yeah, would have went get bent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I was like, yeah, give me that fudge pie, but it took the swelling right down. Time. I'm sure it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I kind of get it because Dad, if I ask him for five bucks, I got his life story. Uh huh. Yeah. But he'd be sitting there, you know, and he'd say, "Trey, go make me one of my uh, sodas, like I like. Would you, buddy?" So he'd go in there and make Dad one of his cream sodas with just the right amount of ice cubes and everything. Mm-hmm. He'd come back and Dad'd give him two bucks. Yeah. I said, Dad, they're not waiters and waitresses. You ain't got to tip them. Yeah. And he said, you are so cheap. <laughs> and this is the man that wouldn't run the air conditioner in the <laughs> car for right. love nor money. Because it used too much gas. Yeah. <laughs> I asked him for five bucks. I got his, you know what I did for five bucks when I was your age? No, but I'm going to hear it every time I ask you for five bucks. Had to walk uphill two ways. Dig twelve mile trenches. Yeah. <laughs> but the grandkids come around. He's doling it out like water. Oh, yeah. Here you go. Here you go. Here. Put that in your pocket. A little spending money for later. So I think we were going to talk about this review of. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, grandkids have a a effect on grandparents. I could vouch for that. So, but yeah, he actually before Dad passed <coughs> got on the computer and would. Send and receive email. Ah, okay. So I, I think that's I'd see it all. That probably shocked me more than him running the AC when I took him to his doctor's appointment. Oh yeah, because uh-huh, you almost wrecked the car that day. Yeah, I almost hit the garage backing out. I'm like, what? Roll the window, <laughs> turn on the AC. <laughs> I can't take that anymore. I was like, well, hell, why couldn't that have happened ten years ago when I was riding around right. with you? That's a good thing when we got our own cars, we could do what we wanted. Yes, I actually <laughs> ran the AC. I told my kids, I said, you don't know how good you got it. Well, but every time the AC would go out in the car, uh-huh. I would drive it. Oh. Because I would be like, you was used this, to this it. is my childhood. Yeah. I said, I got that good Ernest Charles Diaz training. We never turn the AC on in a car. Well, like my like my dad would say. Well, you know what? I bet you if he didn't need the heat to uh, defrost the freaking windows, he, he probably would try to run this around without heat, too. You know, my... Uh, Wear a big coat. You'll be fine. <laughs> You know, your dad and my dad were kind of one of the same. Lloyd's Aaron, he's like, well, you know what? He says, they got 255 air conditioning on this car. Yep. Two windows down and 55 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) If I had a dime for every time dad told me that. Uh Uh-huh. I'd have a house full of dimes. Yeah. Okay. This um, match, it was pretty entertaining, and it was built on the old thing. Everybody wanted to see Bobby Heenan get his butt kicked. Mm Mm-hmm. So, the whole match, which... What longer than I thought? How about, about twenty-seven minutes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole build-up in this match was to Hogan and Andre getting their hands on Bobby. Mm-hmm. So for most of the match, uh, Bachwinkle and Duncan and Patera were in there for the most part, getting their butts kicked. Yeah, they would get a little heat on Andre and Hogan at some certain points, but mm-hmm. for the most part, they were just getting help me to. But my favorite one is when Patera's sitting on the mat and Andre just sits on. Oh him. God, it looked like a boulder fall. <laughs> it had to look like a building falling. Ah! <laughs> if I'd have seen that coming down, it'd be. I think I'd have been moving. <laughs> I think I would have said it, and then I would have done it. <laughs> but at the at the end of the match, of course, the, they finally get their hands on Bobby. Mm-hmm. And they beat him around pretty good. Although I said the stiffest thing I saw in that whole match was when the referee. Leo Namalini, <laughs> who had been a football player and he had wrestled for Vern back in the day. He hits he's the special referee. When he hit Bobby, oh, yeah. like, 
Heck, that looks harder than anything Hogan <laughs> or uh, Andre hit him with. Yeah. And that one looked like it actually hurt. I think my favorite part of the match was when they had Bobby Heenan in the corner and Andre was laying up against him. And all you see was these two little T-Rex arms slapping on him. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Bobby was something else. Uh, and you notice he spent a lot of time going from one side to the other. <laughs> Don't tag me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, from the very beginning of the match, they, when Hogan and Andre get in, the four heels get out, mm-hmm. and Bobby goes and stands behind Ken Patera, <laughs> pointing at Andre. So from the very beginning, they're setting it up that Bobby's going to be hiding and trying not to get in this match. <laughs> Tell you what, not, Nick Bockwinkle took some good bumps in that match, too. But, of he, course, he's great, though. He is. So. I was going to say, Nick Bockwinkle is still one of the most underrated. He did not get that first... Title mm-hmm. until seventy five when he was I think thirty nine or forty years old yeah and he was in his uh, mid to late forties early fifties during that whole eighties run and the, yeah and still very believable mm-hmm. he he was just a classic arrogant heel yeah mm-hmm. he uh, was uh, and, and I've always liked Bobby Duncan uh, mm-hmm. the big football player yeah uh, Patera I think in the late seventies and early eighties. Mm-hmm. was a great heel. Oh, yeah. Now, when he came back out of prison and he was in his early 40s and he yeah. didn't bl- uh, dye his hair back and everything, yeah. he was the shell of Ken Patera then. So if that's all you ever saw of him, yeah. you probably didn't think too much of him. But if you right. just saw Ken Patera in St. Louis in oh, 79, yeah. 80, 81, mm-hmm. where he was Missouri champion, and he was feuding with DiBiase and the Von Erichs mm-hmm. and uh, those guys you would have had a different opinion and view of Patero. Yeah. No, I remember, well, like I said, do thanks to, you know, videos and stuff, I can see Patera, how he used to be. Because when I remember Patera, I have more of that post-prison Patera, WWF jobber. I was going to say, by the time you were watching wrestling, Patera was probably getting close to going to prison. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Because I'm trying to remember, it was 82 or 83 when they had the incident at, at the McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And he went away in 85 or 86. It might have been 86. It took a few years for yeah. it to work its way through. But, yeah. But it was an entertaining match. Um, and I do not like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I found it to be entertaining. Hogan knows how to get himself over. Yes, he does. But... All of his matches, particularly when I was a fan of the NWA, when you watch an NWA-style match and you watch those WWF matches for the 80s, they do not hold up against an NWA match. No, they do not. With the exception of some of Randy Savage's stuff. Yeah. Savage Steamboat from WrestleMania three, obviously. That will Still one of the greatest stands. matches I've yeah. ever seen. I t- anything with... And I, I tell you what, I really didn't appreciate the guy when I was younger because... I was more of a, a villains fan, but whenever Steamboat wrestled Savage, when he wrestled Flair, when he wrestled anybody, it was a good match. Yes, Steamboat could put on a match. And Austin credits working with Steamboat and WCW as helping him mm-hmm. take things to the next level for himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, Ricky Steamboat will probably always be underestimated because he was that traditional 
baby face who never wanted to be a heel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I tell you what, I, I felt bad for him when they went to WWF back then. WWE now brought him back and made him wear the dragon suit. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. So, some things just look ridiculous mm-hmm. and shouldn't be done, you know. And it did. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I know that, um, speaking of things that are ridiculous and shouldn't be done, uh, Stardust, Cody Rhodes' character for a while. Yeah, that was bad. But, you know... And he his, made the right decision leaving. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to say it because I have been very critical of Cody Rhodes as being the one to beat Roman Reigns. Uh-huh. I actually see it now. I'm going to say one thing. As long as it's not CM Punk. Well, CM Punk is going to have a match with Seth. And that, that makes sense. Yeah, that must be. But it shouldn't be CM Punk beating Roman. That doesn't yeah. make any sense for a number of reasons. Well, no, it doesn't. But they were talking about how CM Punk is says, "Well, I'm going to fight Seth, and then I'm going to fight Roman, and then blah 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 blah." You know. And I don't think CM Punk should be the first person to beat Roman. I think that's Cody. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I don't think you have the same build for CM Punk. Mm-hmm. And if there's a wrestler that overcomes lack of size better than most, it's CM Punk. Mm-hmm. But you're still talking about going against Roman Reigns. Yeah. And Cody is just big enough that he is believable as the underneath baby face against someone like Roman. Oh, and I was going to say, he's such a baby face, he's got rainbows shooting out of his right. rear end. He is one of the few guys that really seems to enjoy that baby face role. Mm-hmm. The reason you don't have good baby faces anymore, most of them don't want to go out there and shake hands with the fans and do all and that. And he does. But he does, and he really seems to enjoy it, mm-hmm. and that's what you need out of a baby face. Dusty loved it when the fans came over oh, yeah. and celebrated with him. Mm-hmm. And Cody seems to have that way about him as well. Right. And he's doing very well. Um and I didn't see it before, but I, I've actually... I can see him being the one to beat Roman now. think so? Yeah, I, I can see that happening. That D- doesn't mean WWE is going to do it, although I more, have more faith that Triple H is going to do stuff that makes a lot more sense than Vince would. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is... Vince didn't know Vince what day it was. in his day. Mm-hmm. So, say, up into the early 2000s. Yeah. <coughs> Vince is the greatest wrestling promoter in the history of wrestling. Oh, yeah. Love him or hate him. I don't him. like what he did to the territory system. Right. His predatory business practices. Vince knew how to promote pro wrestling. Exactly. exactly. He could sell the sizzle over the steak. Mm-hmm. And nobody did it as well as Vince did. Yep. And Vince could get stories over really well. Mm-hmm. But... Over that last 15 years, he started doing things that abused himself because he didn't have any competition. Right. And that's when it all started going downhill. And he was so surrounded by yes men that he didn't have too many people that would challenge him. He didn't right. like being challenged anyway. Right. If you challenge Vince, you he fight. likes it for a while <laughs> until he doesn't. Right. But he didn't have anybody around him to challenge him, and he just continued to do stupid crap and just ran fans off in droves. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot more faith that Paul Levesque, a wrestler known as Triple H, mm-hmm. will take the company in a more sensical direction. It'll make more sense. I, th- I, I would hope so. It, it, it's going to have to. I mean, it couldn't get well, much. Well, I was going to say, could it get much worse? No, uh-uh. Yeah, so. Well, we are almost at an hour, and I would say that's a good stopping off point. My voice is 
made it through this whole thing, so I'm Very happy well. for that. And thanks for propping me up this week. I know you were doing more of the heavy lifting than uh, usual. It's no problem. And so we will be back on the 22nd of January, and we will be talking about um, the mixed match between Battling Levinsky and Ray Steele. Maybe we can find that. Yeah, I wonder if we could find that on YouTube. What's that? That match. It doesn't exist. Okay. I think that we could find the, what we could do for a review that I think that at least part of it, the Judo Gene LaBelle Milo Savage match, which happened in the 50s, is out there. Okay. That was a mixed styles match. It was a shoot. Of okay. Gene LaBelle yeah. ate his lunch. Uh huh. I think that's out there. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, we'll have to look that up then. Yeah. And then um, the bonus episode, I think we will do on January 29th. We'll have to decide. Maybe we'll have seen the Iron Claw by then and we can yeah mm-hmm. review that. We'll, we'll do something. Uh, and then we'll be on our normal schedule of three a month for yeah. several months. We'll throw one more uh, fourth episode in there some point during the year. Yeah, and I did want to say uh, real quick that, you know, we had tossed around the idea of going to the AEW um, just to see the live production. Right. Yeah. But I don't think that I can sit there for four hours. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about that, I was like, you know, it would be fair because I've not seen very much AEW outside of clips or mm-hmm. matches from their show that they recorded. Right. And it would probably be fair to actually review one of their events to mm-hmm. be there and feel what it is. Yeah. But when I read what they were doing, I'm like, I don't know that I could do four hours. That's my problem with all these things is they're way too long. Oh, yeah. You do an hour an ROH. hour of Ring of Honor, then you do a, a, the, the actual show. Collision. And then more ROH. And then more ROH. Yeah. So I can't sit there for four hours. And no. And that's what, if they wouldn't make these things such marathons, if it was mm-hmm. two and a half to three hours like the old yeah. wrestling cards were that you would go see it. Mm-hmm. I, but I can't sit there for five hours and watch this. No, uh-uh. So I, I think we're going to have to pass on it at least this time around. Yeah. Um, and maybe they'll finally come to their senses and quit doing these five-hour marathon shows. Right. But yeah. anyway, that's that's my that's my parting shot for this, this week. I so. usually don't <laughs> take Tony to task for his booking or for the creative because I think I would be probably just as bad. I look at it because I do history on this podcast, mm-hmm. but also part of my past background, I was... In management, I was a director. Yeah, I was in management for twenty three in my twenty six years, mm-hmm. and I know what it's like to manage organizations, and I know what happens when you don't proactively manage your personnel. Yeah, and you are seeing with AEW and all the dysfunction, that is a direct product of Tony's unwillingness or inability to manage his personnel. And I was, you know, I was going to touch on that, Ken. Um, me coming from a, a medical background, and having a group of medical people under my toolage, under my, you know, I had a lot of strong personalities. Yeah, and you, you that I had to appease on the night shift. And you got some big time prima donnas, you yeah. know, in the wrestling business. There's no question about that. Yeah, and it, I tell you what, sometimes I had trouble. Keeping that, you know, six, eight people group together to get through the night because, yeah. you know. 
And I'm not telling you you got to walk in there and say everybody's fired and you know. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But you have to proactively manage it. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> You've got to settle the conflict. Mm-hmm. And if they can't settle the conflict, then you tell them I'm going to make changes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You don't let one group run your top star out of the business because they just won't leave them alone. Right. Vice yeah. versa. You know, and nobody's happy. The Bucks aren't happy about well, how it happened. Well, Omega's not happy about how it happened. Yeah. Punk's not happy about how it happened. All for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But Tony is not well, correct. I don't think you They should think let... that they have been painted as the bad guys and they've never mm-hmm. been able to defend themselves. I think even if they did defend themselves, they probably wouldn't do a very good job of it. Well, but here's my here's my thing, Ken. You shouldn't let your young wrestlers be executive vice president. Yes, that is the very first problem. Mm-hmm. Because none of them, with the exception of Cody Rhodes, ever acted like an executive vice president. Exactly. Cody liked being the face of the company. He liked going out and interacting mm-hmm. with fans. He would go and meet with people outside of the company trying yes. to generate company business. These guys are EVPs and title only. They don't act like it. If mm-hmm. they were EVPs whose compensation was tied to the way the company performed. Perform, yes, exactly. They wouldn't be trying to run off their top star who gets them their first million-dollar mm-hmm. pay-per-view buy. Yeah, exactly. Or a million people paper, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't do that. Right. But because you're not, you're basically just taking Tony's money, mm-hmm. and you've got a fancy title. Yeah, exactly. Then you do whatever the heck you want. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that's not an EVP. I've thought from the beginning that that was just a joke. Yeah. And that he needed to take that away or tell him to start acting like it. Right. But, you know, Tony Khan's not going to do that. No, uh-uh. So, I'm sure he'll give us plenty of fodder to chew at him about his management style. Oh, yeah. And let's be be real. Under Vince, we had a lot to talk about there, too. Oh, we did. Yes, you we know, did. Uh-huh. Under Paul Levesque, I'm not... Don't think we're going to be seeing those same things. No, but I tell you what, if we do, we'll we'll be the first to call them out on it. Exactly. Yeah, I won't say, "Hey, Triple H, your booking sucks," but I'll say, "Triple H, you need to get a hold of your personnel and you know rein right. everybody in." And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Jericho sent out a tweet storm about that brawl. But then he's taking it all down. Oh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear about that, uh, Jim Cornette and Brian Last did a whole show about it that's up on YouTube. Go go listen to that. We're not going to rehash yeah. all of that. So, Any parting shots, closing statements, um, accounts, records? I got something to say. All right, go ahead. You, you know 2024 is an election year here in the United States. Yes, it is. So mm-hmm. you know what we're going to hear a lot of for the next 11 months? I come before you to stand behind you and speak to something I know nothing about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I tell you what, I'm I'm already I've already getting calls on my phone that says spam alert. Yeah. People probably asking me who I'm going to vote for. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I don't even know who I'm going to vote for yet. So, <laughs> Mickey the Mouse and Donald the Duck. Mm-hmm. I mean, this will probably be pretty brutal this year, to be honest. But oh yeah, I just don't watch the news. I ignore all of it. And mm-hmm. You know what I'm get. I must be. What I don't man. like about any of this is the extremeness of our politics. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't like. Yeah, and I guess I'm turning into an old man, Ken. I tell you, you know, the only reason I watch the uh, news is for the uh, weather. 
to see if I'm going to need an umbrella the next day or not. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the way. I can't see the weather channel. Exactly. <laughs> and since I don't have cable, you know, I got to... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched the news in four or five years. Mm-hmm. I just, it just got way too negative. I was oh, yeah. It, tired of it. And it's sensation. And some of it's and, sensationalism. Right. And as I've said, so you could watch... Or you... No, I don't watch it, but... You can go on CNN's website, mm-hmm. and you could go on Fox News' website, and you could read a story about the same incident mm-hmm. that is completely different from different. Oh yeah, it'll be yeah. I, it's like, is there any facts that we report anymore? Or is it just all opinion now? Exactly. It, it, it's it. I'll I should it, be able to look at those two stories, and even though they have an ideological bent. Mm-hmm. I should be able to pick the facts out, and the facts should be the same in both. Exactly. You know, that's what I expect out of journalism. But. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, journalism, as we know it, has gone the way of the dodo bird. So. Well, and people will take a reputable news source. Mm-hmm. It's like I told you about that Microsoft thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could see, oh, this is probably CBS Sports. That, that's probably legitimate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sports Skeeta, I know, is clickbait. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I keep picking on Sports Skeeter, but they're one of the worst when they it comes are, to they those are clickbait headlines yeah. that don't look anything like the actual story. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of sites like that today. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always ask people, what's your source? I well, work with some of the greatest minds in science and medicine every day. Yeah. And they do research uh, articles on different topics all the time. Mm-hmm. But... They can write about something, and somebody will pull up Joe's website and say, yeah, but on Joe's website, it says this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, but where was Joe's degree from? Well, he doesn't really have one, but right. when he's not underneath the rack of the Jiffy Lube, he does do a lot of reading and studying and everything, mm-hmm. and it's the equation of those things is equal, and that happens every day, all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's my, like, what are your sources? What are those sources' qualifications? Mm-hmm. Yes, you may think that their opinion is hopelessly biased by their worldview, but what are their qualifications even to hold that opinion? Exactly. Okay, so what are my qualifications to talk about uh, professional wrestling history? Okay, I went to one of the top universities in the country. It was 17 the last time mm-hmm. I looked. And I got a degree in political science with a minor in history. But I had enough history credits that I could have double majored if I wanted yeah. to. Mm-hmm. I've been in martial arts for 25 years almost. Mm-hmm. Both grappling and striking. Yeah. And I've been doing history research for, well, I graduated 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. So that's what qualifies me to speak on this. I have extensively studied this area. I've trained as a historian in school. Mm-hmm. And I've got real-life, uh, real-world martial arts experience. And I've trained in the disciplines I write about. Yeah. You know, I've learned hooks. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you this, and it's my opinion based on my research. Mm-hmm. So if... Joey down the street goes today and he goes and researches something and says, oh, I'm full of crap. Well, what are you basing that on and where do you have the expertise to make that opinion? Right. If Jim Cornette says he thinks I'm an idiot and he doesn't agree with me, he has a right to disagree with me. I'm going to probably still stand by what I said. Yeah. 
But he's legitimate. Right. He could question it. Scott Teal could question what I'm saying. Right. You know, um, mm-hmm. Mike Campbell, question what I'm saying. Joe Schlub, you know, underneath the rack. Yeah. That, well, I read a couple of other articles by these other guys and they disagree. Well, yeah, but that doesn't make you an expert. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, my faculty, I told you, I work with some of the greatest minds in medicine. And mm-hmm. So, I'll hear my faculty use the same words, you know, over like PPROM, you know, premature rupture of the membrane. Then. Yeah. So, I will go to Uncle Google and I will look up those terms so I can follow the conversations that they're having. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't ever open my mouth. No. <laughs> it would be like Plato and Aristotle right. are discussing logic and then Bozo the Clown says, you know what I think? Yeah. You know, well, it's just like you know, I just do it so I could follow what they're talking about. I don't yeah. think that I am on that level that I should be offering my opinion yeah. on anything in that realm. Well, and see, that's where you know, when I was in the medical field, I had to know those terms. And when I was managing somebody's airway, <coughs> and I had the doctors coming up to me saying, Well, Dan, what do you think? You know, I got to make a a, decision. Okay, well, let's get a blood gas and see what we're looking at here. You know, because those doctors didn't know crap about vents. Right. Although I had been to school for four years. Right. And learned about, you know. (laughs) One of our faculty members, she looks very young. Uh And when she was a new faculty member, she went into the OR for something. Mm -hmm. And one of the OR doctors looked at her and said, well, have you even done whatever the procedure was. Uh-huh. And she goes, yeah, how many have you done? Because if she had done two, that was two more than this guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But she looked so young, that's why he said, well, have you even done it? Yeah. Yeah, how many have you done? <laughs> because, you know. Well, I, now, I am not getting paid to say this, and I'm not getting any uh, monetary compensation or uh, gifts or anything. But if you need to see an interventional um, radiologist, I would advise um, Alvarado, uh, Dr. Alvarez uh, at St. Mary's. Dr. Alvarez. So this is if you're in the St. Louis area, because yeah. that's where we're located at. Dr. Alvarez is quite possibly <coughs> the most personable, the most professional, and make sure that you are comfortable throughout your whole procedure. I, I have not had a better doctor since. That's awesome. So we, we yeah. endorse Dr. Yes. Alvarez. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in St. Louis, you can look him up. Yes. Um, I had a thought, and it left me. Oh. And I don't know if it's going to come back. You get used to that sort of thing in my time of life. What? Heck, I tell you what, man. You think my, my train of thought leaves the station without being fully boarded all the time. Oh, I, and it came back to uh, me now. What we're saying is, check your sources. All yes. sources are not created equal. Mm-hmm. So, I think we beat the heck out of everything. Today. Oh, yeah, so, we have. Yeah, we started off with Tony Khan and ended up on our doctor. So. <laughs> there we go, yeah. We, we ran the full gamut. A couple of things, we went around our uh, elbow to get to our wrist, but, yep. you know, we, we were doing our best here. Um, so, next episode will be on January 22nd, and we're planning to have a bonus episode, so January 29th. Yes, sir. And then, 
Um, we'll figure out what we're going to do in February. We don't know if, what we're going to do from one week to the next most of the time. So the well, fact that's that, because of our limited bandwidth. Yeah, but if if we can get the million dollar studios to uh, upgrade their uh, lines, we might be able go. to do a weekly yeah. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, one of the problems I'm having right now is I have a day job that I love. And yes. We're just a little short-staffed. Mm-hmm. We're getting there, but we're a little short-staffed right now, so my bandwidth is probably going to be a little tighter than normal. Yeah. But I wouldn't have it any other way. And, um, you know, I use mine for my businesses. Yeah. You know, so uh, my online business, so. Yeah, but, you know, supporting my faculty and fellows gives me a purpose higher than myself. And, exactly. And running my businesses make me money so I can eat. So There you go. <laughs> Eating is very encouraged. So with that, we hope you guys have a great week. Uh, come on back in two weeks and listen to the next episode. And who knows what we'll gas about that. I, I think we're going to get Caleb in the studio for that one. Okay, sounds good. Sounds right. good. I'd like to see the young man again. So. Yeah, so. All right. Until next time. Bye-bye, everybody. See ya.